subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. I appreciate you waking up early with us this morning. I want to start with Auburn's quarterback, Peyton Thorne, who Coach Pittman addressed yesterday. What kind of progression have you seen from him when it was really initially split time between him and Ashford? It seems like he's more the the QB1 at this point in time. Well, I tell you what, you can tell the confidence is growing because mainly he was kind of looking over his shoulder. You know, Robbie Ashford, who had a good season last year, not a great season, but a good season under Brian Harson's offense, could really run the football well. But Peyton Thorne has surprised a lot of teams with being able to run the football extremely well when he's decided to tuck it and run. I think now that Hugh Freeze has made it abundantly clear over the course of the last three weeks that Peyton Thorne is the guy. He even said yesterday in his press conference, look, he understands what we're trying to do here. That's not a shot at Robbie. It's just the fact that they have been more efficient offensively. Granted, the schedule has worked out really well for Auburn. The tougher part of their schedule was the first half of the season. But they're growing in confidence. They still can't throw the ball very effectively, but they can run the ball as well as anybody in the SEC. So as long as Peyton Thorne can manage the game and not have stupid turnovers, they're very happy with what he's been able to do. Arkansas had its best offensive output of the season this past week in the Swamp, Pat. And I was looking at Auburn's numbers. They are like outside the top 80 in rushing defense, and it gets worse on the road and in conference play. As we know, it's typically harder in those games. But you think Auburn has enough to stop a competent K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders this week? That is going to be the biggest issue. When you, ha- when you talk about Auburn football over the course of the last few weeks, They've been excited about getting some of the pieces in their secondary healthy. They've been able to come back. You know, Simpson in the in the uh, the, back, the secondary part of their defense has performed extremely well. But it's the run defense. I mean, you see what Mississippi State was able to do in the second half against Auburn. Even Vanderbilt at times. Vanderbilt kept that game kind of uncomfortably close for a lot of Auburn fans by the way that they were able to efficiently run the football. So that is the one area. And trust me, the Auburn people yesterday, you know, talking about uh, Rocket Sanders being back and having a big old quarterback that even Alabama had an issue bringing down a few times during their game, that's a bit of a concern for Ar- for uh, Auburn moving into this game against Arkansas. So, so your question, Ty, is, you know, do they feel confident? The answer would be no, because it's an SEC game on the road, and especially it's in Arkansas. Pat, how good a tackling team is Auburn? I mean, I've watched them some. I, I wouldn't have you know, have watched them enough to know. I mean, it's, you just went through it. I mean, are, are they fundamentally a good tackling team? Uh, no, <laughs> they are They are not. And, and that is something that, that Hugh Freeze has brought up multiple times during the season. You know, not slamming uh, defensive coordinator Roberts or anybody else on the defensive staff, but he has just pointed out that weakness and how they needed to do a better job wrapping guys up at point of contact. So, one good thing about them, they feel like they've got a running back in Jarquez Hunter 
that is going to provide his own problems to defenses. You know, you saw what he did this last week against Vanderbilt and, and some other teams the last couple of weeks. So they feel that even though with the deficiencies with the fundamentals of tackling, that they're going to be able to at least run the football and be effective themselves to try to put some points up. Is the feeling there on the plays that you know, Hugh Freeze has just got to get his quarterback in? He's got to get 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 the guy that, that he wants to run his system. I know he's got a recruit coming out of Arkansas out of Little Rock and Walker White, but um, what's the feeling about the quarterback position in the future there with Auburn? Yeah, Tommy, uh, that's exactly right. I mean, that, that's the feeling. He's doing extremely well in recruiting. He's been able to swipe a five-star from Georgia. And I'm talking about offense, but defensive guys. He also took a, a wide receiver that was committed to Alabama. There's a couple other guys that, that he's been looking at. So Hugh Freeze is doing just the opposite of what Brian Harson did. I mean, he's actually building the foundation for a strong recruiting process throughout the Southeast because he knows since he was at Ole Miss and he was successful doing it there. But it's all about the quarterback. We know it. You have to have an elite-style quarterback in this league if you want to be competitive with the likes of Georgia and Alabama, and it, it, they're just buying their time. But Auburn fans, they're they're happier than they were a few weeks ago because they finally got off tonight and got a couple SEC wins under Hugh Freeze's belt. But they understand that this is going to be a transitional year. They feel good about where the program is right now, but they can also see for them to be and get back to where Auburn football should be, they're going to have to go out and get a quarterback of an elite caliber. Pat Smith with us here on the McCarty Daniel Hotline, co-host of the three-man front across Alabama. Pat, I want to ask you about Georgia. You bring them up. If they lose in the SEC championship game, do you still think that they're going to make the college football playoff assuming they lose to Alabama? No, I do not. And this is something that we talked about yesterday on the show, and I'm just going to throw this out to you guys real quickly. What if Alabama goes 12-1, and but they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game? That means both teams are 12-1. and But you have Texas, they went out 12-1. and Washington, they went out 13-0. and Florida State, they went out. They're 13-0. and Then you got a Big Ten champion, whether it's Michigan or Ohio State, they're 13-0. and In that scenario, in my personal opinion, the SEC is left out of the college football playoff because they're not going to take, in my opinion, they're not going to take an Alabama team that lost at home to 10 points to Texas, who is 12 and 1. So, in that mm-hmm. scenario, and again, there's a lot of things that's got to happen, and it's weird for me. And I hope my friends down at the SEC office here in Birmingham are not listening to this interview right now because I might get an email. But I feel like <laughs> in that scenario, guys, the SEC's on the outside looking in if all of those what ifs happen with Bama beating a undefeated Georgia, both teams would be 12 and 1, and they could be in, pro- they could be in trouble if everything else happens with Texas, Washington, Florida State, and in the Big Ten. But, Pat, in your heart, is is a undefeated 13-0 Florida State or a Washington undefeated, do you really believe head up they are better than Georgia or better than Alabama? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Tommy, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Texas's only loss would be a tight game in the Red River shootout. Now, I would I also agree that Georgia and Oklahoma, or Georgia and Alabama in that situation are better. But, Pat, again, that's a crazy scenario, and I can see it playing out, man. Well, let me just tell you the, the power of the SEC office of cutting the phone lines when yeah. I say something negative about the SEC <laughs> not going to the college football playoff. Apologize for that, guys. Um, Tommy, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think Florida State 
is not a stronger team than a 12 and one or a 12 and 12 and one Alabama or Georgia team just based on the strength of the ACC, whether what's going on with Clemson, you know, the Duke win for Florida State, those type things with an injured quarterback, all those type questions. I think the SEC will still have a team in the college football playoff. It's just one of those scenarios that you start looking at and you're going, wow, if that were to yeah. happen, there's going to be a serious conversation because what has the committee told us in the past? It's all about head-to-head competition. And by Alabama losing by 10 at Bryant-Denny Stadium to Texas, even though Texas knocked, was knocked off by Oklahoma and Oklahoma's already getting dinged up a little bit more as their season progresses, I think it would be a very, very tough sell if it's between Texas and Alabama. Do we overvalue undefeated versus one-loss teams? Yeah, because it all. if I'm sitting in the room, guys, I, I'm, I'm looking at the totality, the strength of schedule. I'm looking at the league as a whole. I'm looking. I'm looking at everything. Just because the team went undefeated, you know, that doesn't mean that they they should be. Yeah. You know, well, uh, they tested. Slid. Yeah, I mean, think about Cincinnati a couple of years ago when they went in the. Uh, man, everybody wanted Cincinnati in the college football playoff. Everybody wanted it, and then we got it, and America quickly saw after the first quarter that it was a joke, that it shouldn't have happened. So yeah, you have to look, in my opinion at the totality of the strength of schedule and the overall strength of a league in that particular season. What about Michigan and everything going on right now? I saw that Ross Dellinger article with Yahoo Sports talking about the Big Ten is considering a multi-game suspension of Jim Harbaugh. On the other side, Michigan might sue the Big Ten. I mean, how much does that affect Michigan's chances if they finish undefeated, if at all, Pat? Well, I think based on football people and based on the eye test, I think everybody would tell you, first off, first and foremost, this season, why you would need to have anybody spy, because this is one of the most talented Michigan teams that they've had probably since Bo Beckler was the head coach many, many moons ago. They're a very good football team, and it's a shame, and I can't believe I'm saying this because it's a Big Ten school, but they are a very good football team. And so, you know, did they need to go through the, you know, whatever they were doing off the field? That's kind of hard to say. It's almost like the Patriots from a few years ago with all their little scandals. Did they really need to go to that extreme to do what they did? But, no, I think that it's funny to me how the Big Ten, you know, the AP story came out yesterday that said that appears that, you know, somebody at another Big Ten school, they were trying to steal the signals of Michigan, and they gave over a spreadsheet to Michigan detailing all the signs that you know Michigan was using during their games, basically pointing out that everybody in the Big Ten is cheating. I mean, with everything going on in the Big Ten in the offseason, whether it's the, the hazing scandal at Northwestern, now you got this going on at Michigan, it's been a banner year for the Big Ten Conference, but they're all eating their own. It reminds me a lot of what happened in the SEC in the late 90s, early 2000s, when everybody started turning everybody in, these gentlemen's agreement that the league used to have, all of a sudden everybody was turning everyone back in. That's why everybody was on probation at one time. And that's why Mike Slide, you know, was having a coronary every morning watching NCAA reports or investigations in the conference. The Big Ten is turning on their own. I mean, they are literally eating and ratting out each other. And you're going to have to wait to see exactly what happens. I think Ohio State's going to look pretty bad when this is all said and done, when it all comes out. Or the Southwest Conference in the 80s where seemingly everyone was paying yeah. somebody. It reminds a lot of our listeners yeah. of that. Uh, Pat, last thing, we, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Before we let you go, SEC basketball, 
kicked off or tipped off last night, not kicked off, tipped off. Arkansas took care of business. I know people are excited to see what they can do this season. What are your thoughts on this league this year? Seemingly pretty deep heading into uh, the start last night. No, listen, uh, obviously it will be a very small footnote uh, what's going on here in the state of Alabama when it comes to football, but Alabama, top 25 team, uh, they won big last night over Moorhead State, and I mean, that's not a big surprise there. But there is a lot of optimism uh, for both Auburn, who I believe is playing Baylor, um, as they get ready to, to kick off their season or tip off their season. Um, I think from our perspective in the state of Alabama, Auburn and Alabama both seem to be you know top five in the SEC, I'm not saying top three, but top five, top six. I think it's a very deep league this year. We'll obviously have to see how good or how bad Kentucky is for the rest of the league. But, no, it, it's going to be tough just like it was last year. And, and most people here in Birmingham around the SEC office, they, they feel very confident that the SEC can get eight teams in this year for the big dance. Yeah, and the most amount of teams that are ranked currently in the top 25, we'll see if that holds true by the end of the season as we get closer to March Madness. Pat, we appreciate your time this morning. Again, Pat Smith, co-host of Three Man Front on WJOX in Birmingham with us on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Pat, we'll, uh, we'll come back at some point this season and recap what's been a pretty wild SEC to this point, man. Right, listen, guys, always enjoy it. Have a good day. So we did get the SEC announcement yesterday that the Auburn-Florida International game is going to be at 6.30 on ESPN. We mentioned ESPN2, we mentioned ESPN, we mentioned the SEC Network. We forgot about ESPNU. And I think Arkansas fans are are happy about that. It's a 6.30 game. It's not, again, I don't know if it's going to be highly attended, but it is nice to have another night game and for recruiting purposes as well. Well, hopefully the weather's good. Too Too far out to really forecast you know, what the weather may be like on the 18th of November. So that's a, a crapshoot at best. But, yeah, I mean, night game, everybody likes to tailgate, get out there. I like the 3 o'clock game this week. It's almost, I think Coach even described it as the perfect game time. Mm-hmm. So um, everybody, I would like to have these night games early in the year, maybe these uh, earlier starts later in the year, just because uh, you'd like to have some sunshine if it turns out to be a true November night. Three straight games at home for this Arkansas football team. A game you're favored in this weekend, a game you're favored in next weekend, and then doubt your favor, but I think it's going to be a tight line where Missouri's going to be favored by like three or four or whatever initially. Maybe it's a touchdown, but I think it's going to be closer to that, that field goal area. I mean, we talked about all offseason how brutal that four, it's really a five-game stretch when you include BYU, but when you look at the backside, there is potential for this football team and how it plays out. I mean, you've got two games you should win and then one game that's at least should be highly competitive. I don't think you should necessarily win against Missouri based on how they've been this year. Let's be fair. Two games you should win and one game you should get beat. I mean, Missouri's a top 15 team in every poll, including the the college football playoff poll. So, And you look at Missouri the rest of the way. They play Tennessee, they play Florida, then they play Arkansas. So that's no easy road to hope for Missouri right now, who, you know, we'll look at our Pradco Pyramid of Power next hour. They're sitting at 7-2. and two. Just mention who they got to play. Tennessee's a tough game. Florida's a winnable game. They get that one at home. I mean, they're going to be at three losses. They're going to be teetering, perhaps, if things don't go well against Tennessee. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup and may send Tennessee down a path that uh, they don't want to, to be on. 
and make them a little more vulnerable after Thanksgiving. Got got a couple of weeks to get there right now. So the first college football playoff rankings came out last Tuesday. You'll have another inception of that tonight. Ohio State is probably still going to be at number one. Uh, Georgia, who did play a top 25 matchup, albeit at home in Athens, won. Maybe they move them up, but I still think they'll have Ohio State. Michigan's, I doubt, moves after winning this weekend. Florida State won. Washington got a big win on the road in California as they beat USC, I think it was 52-42. to 42. Then it's going to get interesting. So Oregon, Texas, Alabama, and Oklahoma and Ole Miss, they all win this weekend. Do we see any no, shift? Oklahoma didn't win. Or excuse me, sorry. Uh, I, I skipped one. Uh, Penn State all win yeah. this weekend. Uh, Oklahoma, how far do they drop? They were at nine in the last college football playoff poll. They're outside the top ten, of course. How far do they drop tonight? 19. It's that far? I mean, they're no longer a factor in this playoff. I mean, yeah, even I, dro- they I win, drop them out of the top 15. Even if they win the Big 12 championship, beat Texas for a second That's time? A big if. I don't think they can beat Texas for the second time. Yeah, it's really hard to beat a team twice. I think Texas still stays above. Does Alabama slide above Texas with the win over LSU, or do they still have the head-to-head that they just can't put them above? I, to, me, to me, I don't think you can put them above at this point. But I don't either. I don't believe... If they played again and played at Bryant Denny or neutral site, whatever, I don't think Texas beats Alabama at this point. Alabama's a different team than they were six weeks ago. Would you rather see Texas or Alabama in the college football playoff? Is there enough Alabama fatigue to even get you past what, what, the burnt what, orange? Why, why should point? fatigue be a, a, even a factor? Well, what does that got to do? I mean, the. This is the one and only shot some of these kids have to play in the college football playoff. Why? What does team fatigue have? Talking anything? about from an Arkansas vantage point, your I perspective. I don't care. I mean, I want the four best teams. I, you know, fatigue shouldn't matter. Well, let's try some. Let's give someone else a shot. No, let's put the four best teams. And I think we get too caught up in some of this. And that's what we're talking about with Pat Smith a minute ago. We get too enamored and too in love with undefeated versus one loss when that's not equal. The schedules aren't equal. They're not balanced and they're not they're not the same and we we fall in love with undefeated. What well, do you think really a an undefeated Pac-12 team in Washington's been equally tested with an SEC team through 13 games in a conference? Of course not. No one believes that. So why do we fall so in love with that that O next in in their record? We shouldn't. Well, if they're 13 and 0 against the 12 and 1, if you're Washington, you're head there coach and Michael Penix who might win the Heisman Trophy. Again, if this is under the idea that they go undefeated, you did your job. You can't move yourself to the Southeastern Conference. You can't just, hey, we're going to go play these six XCT. They've done everything they could do. But the mission and they is deserve to get the four best teams, regardless of record. Who are the four best teams? Well, if that was the case, then three or four teams from the SEC would be there every year. If they were the four best teams, I don't think that I don't think the SEC has the four best teams in the country this year. Do they have at least two though? Maybe. But there's only going to get one that will probably be in. They're not going to put two in and this And that's year. why you got to expand this thing, and that's, their, that's the fear of some. of the SEC, and I don't think this is a banner year for the SEC, but when it gets back to being a banner year for the SEC and a newly expanded SEC, they're all going to have a fit and talk about expansion again when the SEC's got like the last four teams in. Yeah. Chris and Paris and Andy and Mountain Home texted on the McCarty-Daniel hotline with Oklahoma State beating 
Oklahoma this week, and I, I apologize. They're a two-loss. They, they have not updated this. I'm my heads up my you-know-what. So they've lost, again, on the road to Kansas, on the road to Bedlam. They're completely out. I don't know where my head's at this morning. I'm curious, again, kind of where where the Big 12 shakes out. Texas, at this point in time, has the best shot of any Big 12 school, including Oklahoma State, because they only got that one loss at this point. And it was a rivalry game in, again, one of the better rivalries in college football, neutral side, close football game. If Texas and Alabama are both, again, one-loss teams with their respective conference championships, even if you think Alabama's a better team, which I agree with you at this point in time, I would take the Crimson Tide, you can't put Alabama in there. Texas has TCU this week at Fort Worth, Iowa State on the road, and then they play Texas Tech at home. Can, can they win those? I mean, I know they should win, and they'll be favored. Favored by 10 this week against TCU. They still got Do they their, run the table on that? Well, they still have their backup quarterback, Malachi Murphy. I think yours is throwing this week, but his AC sprain or whatever was a two- to four-week diagnosis. That's going to impact kind of what happens there. So if they went out, they deserve to be. If, yep. if the scenario goes, Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship, Texas wins out. You may hate to hear this, but Texas is getting in the playoff. Well, now. they will because they're a brand name, and, and I don't think that should matter. Uh, but TCU's 4-5 and five this year. Iowa State five and four at this point. Texas Tech four and five. It's not like they've got a gauntlet to run uh, here at the end, and then we'll see if they play Oklahoma State. Thanksgiving dinner will be memorable this year at the historic Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in Hot Springs. Thursday, November 23rd from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Venetian Dining Room. You'll have a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required. Must have credit card to hold reservations. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com slash dining for reservations and complete menu items. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. So, interesting week in the SEC. You had Alabama defeating LSU, which I think a lot of us expected. I wonder if Jaden Daniels didn't go out in that game, if it would have been any closer. Still a 14-point ball game. Did you get a chance to watch any of that? I did. Um, you know, it's typical first half, second half Alabama. Uh, you know, if Alabama played a half of football, they'd be what five and five right now or five and four. 
but they play a four quarter game and, mm-hmm. and they make great adjustments. It's the best coaching staff in the league. And, uh, they still have, uh, I think three of the top six, uh, potential first round draft picks, a lot of them defensive players. Uh, so, you know, they've taken Milrow and, uh, you know, they, they've, they've turned it in, uh, to a team no one wants to play now. Georgia is still top dog in the SEC East. Doesn't look like they're going to lose that crown this season. They beat a a tested Missouri team who gave them everything they wanted in Athens. And it was really their defense. Again, it wasn't necessarily their offense. Their offense kicked a lot of field goals and settled. But I thought it was their, uh, again, what we've known from Kirby Smart and company. When they needed a play, their defense made it against the Tigers. Yeah, and, and, you know, they're getting a favorable home schedule. They got Ole Miss coming in this week, going to Athens. So, you know, everybody thought there might be some chinks, but we're not we're not seeing any chinks yet. So it's, Kiff- just, it's just a blimp on the radar. A blimp on the radar. Yeah. Kiffin, uh, <laughs> Kiffin has not figured out the Nick Saban code. Is there any difference? Like a, a lot of the same again, mentality, scheme, and stuff is what Smart is doing in Athens. You can argue they're better defensively than Alabama. Is there any way that he can dissect this defense this weekend? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think there is. I think. At the end of the year, Kiffin's going to be the most disappointed coach in the SEC because they had Alabama and Oxford, and they didn't get it done. You know, and, and they outscored LSU the next week. They've run the table since, but they they had the opportunity to do something they'd never done. That they've still not been in an SEC championship game at Ole mm-hmm. Miss, yeah. and this was their year to do it. And uh, you know, Alabama, uh, if they would have beat, if they'd have beaten Alabama, then Alabama would have had. Uh, Ole Miss would have had to lose twice for Ole Miss not to make the championship game, but that, that's all irrelevant. They didn't get it done. Yeah, that's part of it. Well, speaking of not getting it done, it's not Jimbo Fisher and College Station who they lost to Ole Miss this week in five and four. Guys, is he done? I mean, we keep talking about the buyout, but they keep on losing games. And last year, they weren't even they didn't even get to five hundred. This year, not even close to winning the SEC West. Yeah, and, three and, three. They, and at this point in time, he's got a worse record than Kevin Sumlin. I still, I still think, you know, this year, just judging it by this year, you lost your starting quarterback, and I, I still think that gets you maybe another year that plus plus the buyout. But I mean, it's I don't care. I'm glad they're losing, but when you look at them, it's like when they come off the bus, how do they lose yeah. all these mm-hmm. games? I mean, Ty, you keep talking like you want him fired. Yeah. I mean, don't you want a coach down there that just continues to go five and four? I keep beating us regardless. I, mean, I like Jason Garrett coaching the Cowboys because yeah. I, I knew we had a chance. Yeah, yeah. But eventually, A and M's going to hire the right guy, and then they're going to be ten and two, and not you know. Then you won't be happy. Are they eight and four? You feel that way about A and M? I know what you got with Jimbo Fisher. Just status quo is fine they, with me. If, but if they get a good coach, are they going to beat you any more than they are right now? Yeah, I mean seriously, <laughs> that's fair. Seriously, one seriously. win, once one win since they joined the the SEC. But you know how much it'd make you gag that A and M won the well, it won't be the West anymore. But if A and M was in the SEC championship game, wouldn't that make you just want to vomit? Well, they've tried all sorts of things. I mean, they've tried Francione, Sherman, Sumlin, yeah. Fisher. It's not like they haven't tried to pay well, for none big of those time guys. Coaching. Have a wing at the Hall of Fame, exactly. So I mean, Jimbo Fisher's won a national championship. Tommy, he's not exactly he doesn't exactly liver. have a wing at the. At the uh, he's not Saban. He's not what Kirby Smart is. He's not Urban Meyer. I'm just saying, if you figure out and, and get a the next one of those guys, and hey, who doesn't want one of those guys? A&M, they're just the right coach away from you know being that kind of team. They've they got a, plenty of talent. They've right been the right the coach away for 20, 30 years. That program is destined to fail. 
and it's going to continuously fail. They don't know how to win. They never have and they never will. They know how to beat you, which drives me insane because I hate that school. But they're des- they, 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 there's not a winning culture at Texas A&M. They're Aggie yell people are losers. They don't know how to win and they never will, period. There's, there's zero chance in the next decade that they win an SEC championship. That sounds very personal. It is personal. It's very personal. Did you, well, did you have a like a fiance or girlfriend? No, I went? just hate okay. that school sounds with the like he's fire of a thousand thoughts. Th- th- they turned down your application for admittance? Or? I would never did, apply did for that Did they treat you worse than the Florida girls? Yeah, pro- no, the Florida <laughs> girls are the worst. We'll get into tier rankings coming up, but we will do this Pradco Pyramid of Power right now. Who are the best football teams in the SEC? SEC! SEC! Let's find out. Perhaps I could be of some assistance. This is the Pradco Pyramid of Power. All right, real quick, four SEC away venues. It goes ranking-wise. Baton Rouge of the ones that I went to this year. Baton Rouge at one, Oxford at two, Tuscaloosa at three, Gainesville at four in terms of the towns themselves. That's how I'd rank those four venues. What, what, what's the... Standards here. Are you Restaurant, food, food, nightlife, nightlife combination. I mean the the atmospheres in game. The game. I thought it was louder in Gainesville at points than it was in Baton Rouge, which I was kind of surprised by. But you're, you're, taking, was, you're taking the female reaction real personal. The, yeah, real personal. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just telling you were number one. It's hard to be. Uh, it's hard to be humble after a loss, and I was anything but that. Or after a win, it was anything yeah. but that. On Saturday, let's face it; they were out of your league anyway. No, not not a not a few of them. It was uh, <laughs> not a few of them. Just not most a, of them. Just some. Just some of them. Yeah. A good chunk of them. All right, let's we're, hear we're, it. Were any blimps on the radar? Please. No blimp. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not blimps, Tommy. It's blips. Uh, Come on, yeah. get the uh, yeah. get the verbiage right. Yeah, you're. We we always lean to you for uh, oh, you edit, editorial advice. Tomato, <laughs> potato. Yeah, exactly. All right, hard to move a lot of things around on the Pradco Pyramid of Power. I mean, things are what they are, and when the when the favorites win, not a lot of movement. Georgia stays at the top, number one of the AP poll. They were two in the college football poll. I don't think they'll move much there tonight. Undefeated at nine and zero, six and zero in league play. Uh, you're right. Missouri gave them uh, what they uh, all they needed. It's good for Georgia to get pushed and tested, but uh, <laughs> they found a way to win. Can they do it two weeks in a row? Ole Miss Saturday night. At 6 p.m. on ESPN. That, that's going to be a great game um, to, to watch right after Missouri-Tennessee. We'll get to them in a minute. Do you, do you think Lane's got a mu- self-imposed muzzle this week? Mm. No, he's I don't not think, gonna, He's don't not going to poke one, Kirby, is he? I don't think there's one that fits him, is there? I don't know. He shouldn't poke he Kirby. He tried though. to poke Saban with the defense, and that didn't turn out too oh, well. That did. defense, I mean, he, was it 24-10? to 10? Well, He poked Jimbo, and it didn't matter. Yeah. Much Jimbo, yeah, uh, saying him. Well, I think anything between Saban and Kiffin's just fun, fun ribbing. They're yeah. buddies, right? So, all right, Alabama stays at number two, beating LSU forty-two twenty-eight. I think one and two are pretty well, you know, un- undisputed right now in this league. They go to Kentucky Saturday at eleven a.m. Sneaky game. Hmm, eleven a.m. Sleepy. I don't know. I-, I wouldn't think Kentucky could do it, but that would be one to keep an eye on. I. I kind of I kind of like Kentucky to play them tight for a while. I mean, it, first half Alabama, you know, it, yeah, they they could be tied or they yeah. could be behind, but that will be a physical game. They'll put them away. Yeah, you know. Ole Miss still at three, tenth ranked team in the AP poll, eight and one, five and one, beat A and M. 38-35, had to work at it. They go to Georgia this week. I don't want to say they were peaking ahead. I don't think that was it at all. But uh, I think Ole Miss gives Georgia a run again this week, even on the road. I don't know. I'm not. 
I'm not sold. Not, I'm, I, I, I like Kentucky against Alabama better than okay. Ole Miss. Georgia. Re- uh, what's what's the uh, it was sixteen half points spread against Missouri? Do y'all think it's over or under that? Oh, it's less than that. It's got it. Ole Miss to Georgia. What 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 are you asking? Is that yeah. what you're asking about? Yeah. I'm not clear. Oh, I think that that line's got to be like seven or eight. Yeah, that's nine a, maybe. That's one score, you think? Looking we'll, in the old Bet Saracen. I've looked that up. We'll come back to it. All right, down to us. Uh, so one, two, three. Georgia, Bama, Ole Miss. No yep. movement there at the top. Nope. I've still got LSU at four after losing to Bama just because of the head-to-head with Missouri. Missouri lost. LSU lost. How do I move Missouri over? Even though Missouri may look better in their loss against Georgia than LSU looked in their loss to Bama, I've still got LSU. Even though they're behind in the rankings and they're six and three versus Missouri seven and two. I still got LSU ahead because they won on the road at Como. Well, Homer Bruce has arrived. I've, I've got there Tennessee at number four. There it is. You, got you who? know who? Homer Bruce. To, you got yeah, Tennessee. I got Tennessee. You yeah. them all the way over. Well, there. you know. You, well, that was a tough when, game. When you're going to eat a cupcake, eat a cupcake. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> run an 86-yard blast on the first, second play and there score a touchdown and, you know, just, just have fun. Yeah, I uh, – I, I would probably still have LSU there. I think that uh, Matt House uh, owes Jay Daniels millions of dollars because he missed out on a Heisman Trophy because that's the worst defense they've had in three decades yeah. in Baton Rouge. I mean, it's atrocious. They they can't stop. They can't stop a high school team. They are awful on defense. They've lost three games and they have the worst. It's terrible. I yeah. can't. I, can't I mean, Daniels. I mean, Daniels put up good. You were talking about his first half. He's ripping Alabama apart in that first half, and then he gets knocked out in that game because the halftime happened and Saban happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, uh, coaching that, happened. That defense, yeah. Kevin Steele. They've uh, they just cycled those defensive coordinators is through. Brian, is Brian Kelly still speaking Cajun? I don't think so. Not anymore. <laughs> That's changed. So is Tennessee at five, Tommy? No, I got Missouri there. I, I mean, I, uh-huh. I, and, and here's the thing. They're going to play this week. They're going to so, play this week. So, I mean, that, that'll decide. So I got Missouri at five and Tennessee at six, and they play 230 on CBS Saturday. And Tennessee's favorite is a road team, which is a little surprising. That's interesting. <laughs> you guys were asking about the spread earlier. It's 10 and a half. Georgia is a 10 and a half point favorite wow. against Ole Miss this weekend. So wow. they were 16 and a half. They only won by nine against think Missouri. Jackson Dart. I don't know, man. He is so inconsistent. Like, he's, it, it's unbelievable. He's got hair like you, man. I know. <laughs> he's That's a his problem. classic USC quarterback. Yeah. You can't, you can't be a quarterback and have that hair like that. You got to get it cut. Yeah. All right. So, you didn't George, like Sunshine? No, I love Sunshine. That was Come great, on, man. Great yeah. movie, but Dart can't, uh, he can't, he doesn't have the same, uh, same moxie as, uh, what's his face did in, in that movie. Georgia, Bama, Ole Miss, one, two, three. LSU, Missouri, Tennessee, four, five, six. Got them lined up this way the rest of the way, if you care. Kentucky, A&M. Then I homered up just like Bruce. We'll put Arkansas there next. Three wins? Yeah. I Holy know. cow. Just, to- just totally homered up. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I mean. We just lost all our credibility. Listen, well, here's the deal. You're going to find out this week with Auburn. Play them head-to-head. They beat Vandy. I mean, it, how much credit are we, you know, the schedule hadn't been equal. Find out. If they beat Auburn this schedule week. schedule hadn't been equal. Huh? The schedule hadn't been equal. Well, okay. and then you beat Florida. You can't put you can't put Florida ahead of Arkansas. They're, they're five well and put four. Arkansas ahead of Tennessee if you're going to do, you do think, that. You think, Mississippi, <laughs> you think Mississippi State right now, the way they've played, is now better than Arkansas? Well, they beat them. Okay, but I'm talking about today. Do you think Texas is still better than Bama? They beat them. 
It doesn't but, matter. You, you, know, you win. But you you get won better, when you played them. But you get better or you get worse as the season goes on, right? Well, that's what the eyeball says, but there ain't yeah. a person on this call that would have thought. But this is about There ain't a where, person this on this radio a, airwave that would have thought Mississippi State would have rolled in you here and beat Arkansas. You accused me of being a homer You're over such there. a homer. Well, man. Guilty. Look at Mississippi you. State is 4-5, and 1-5. and five. They lost to Kentucky. They haven't scored any points, guys. They scored seven against us, and they so, won the exactly. damn game. Seven. I mean, they won I mean, in Fanville. There's no way on God's man. green earth you can put you them above you're our making my point. Up, man. You're making my point. They scored seven. But you didn't and beat won them. the game. <laughs> they scored Arkansas three. Arkansas did score they a touchdown. three against, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I can't keep Mississippi State you up there. You lost control of your soul. <laughs> just so listen, that's his well, take. Here's the it's most. Like, here's the most. Tommy is not Bandy over South Carolina at thirteen and fourteen. All right, who's the hottest seat now, Beamer? Yeah, he did. Okay, Napier. This guy's born on third base. He comp- he's the oh. worst loser in all of sports. <laughs> he is. Uh, he is the worst coach in the conference in terms of just likability. He is awful. They were supposed that. to be good this year. They are. Terrible. That's the only game I cared we won this year. Was beat. Well, oh my gosh! Yeah, bad. and you pummeled them too. Andy oh. plays South Carolina in Columbia this Let's week. Go Doors. That'd be a- <laughs> that, that's a um, yeah. That's that's the battle for the seller right there. Yeah, so golly, I I I do not like him at all. I don't so, like. What I, if he played Texas A and M? Ugh. I'd probably cheer for South Carolina, but okay. it would be like Tommy always says when Texas and Oklahoma play that a sinkhole just takes maybe the sinkhole <laughs> yeah. takes Beamer and the entire Texas How do you and start a flood. Yeah. That so. would be uh I don't have an issue with South Carolina. I kinda like they're kinda like Arkansas in a sense, but I do not like their head football coach no. at all. At all. Least favorite coach in the league. And Jimbo's right up there too, but he's the worst. Yep. All right, that's our Pradco Pyramid of Power. I, I hear it's wobbling near the bottom, but it, I, I think it's okay. I think we've we propped it up with some homerism, and we're we're good to go. Well, for I, that. I don't feel as bad about my homerism. <laughs> At least we're seven and two. My God! Well, I mean that was a pretty impressive win over Connecticut. You, you, you went know. from like thirteen to no. I never had him eight. at thirteen. I think you did. I think no. you did. I think you had him. The only team you had him above was twelve. Mandy. Maybe yeah. Yeah. no. <laughs> I, I, that no is one, factually inaccurate. No one's pushing back on that. I mean, this was at one point the second worst team. Well, in the we're going to find out against Auburn. Arkansas beat Florida. Yeah, they lost to Mississippi State. Does anyone believe they oh, We're going to hear that all off season. Arkansas beat Florida. Yeah. Oh, well, Tennessee, to Buy be your fair. tickets now. To be fair, to, as you brought up, was weird. I didn't even bring this up. I wasn't going to, but Arkansas did win in Gainesville, and they Tennessee did. I don't understand that. Oh, my God. No one's, no one's blam- like no one on no one listening to the show thinks that Arkansas would beat Tennessee in a neutral side, nope. at home, oh, or that- on the road. But how? I, it's a rivalry game. Rivalries are weird, man. I don't understand it. There's no reason y'all should have lost to Florida this year. None. <laughs> if you're just know. sitting there like dumbfounded, all, like all I, I know am. is the uh, why and my wife of uh, 34 years is from Florida, so I, I did pretty good. Down okay, there. yeah, so, I'd say that's a, I'd say that's pretty solid. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! 
Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Jalen Braxton has been a find for this football team this year. The unfresh man of Frisco, Texas has started several games this fall and made not maybe the play of the game, but one of the initial big-time jumps you needed with that strip fumble and he take it to the house. Here's what Coach Pittman had to say about the young man, earlier yesterday. We were awful high on him coming out of high school. It's very so hard, you know, to start as a freshman or play as a freshman other than special teams. But we were very, very high on him. We knew that he came from a good background of coaching and his father and all those type things had a lot of impact on him and his athletic ability and his career and obviously well coached. So we felt that, but, you know, we felt like that with some other guys too in the past and it just didn't pan out that early but he had all the intangibles and just a wonderful wonderful kid and he loves to play force force tackles you had the fumble recovery should have had two strips honestly if not for the uh early forward progress ruling but a guy again i didn't expect him he was the highest rated him and luke has to be on what recruiting service you look at were the highest two rated recruits in your class i figured luke was going to play i thought Jalen might get in there i didn't think he was going to start though Tommy, and that's what he's done a good chunk of this year. Yeah, and um, hey, you think about that early play and that you know, how that set Arkansas up fourteen to nothing. Now we found out that didn't mean nothing because you relinquished the lead back. But I mean, but think think where you'd be. You'd have lost the game without that play. There's a lot of individual plays you point to, but that one's one early that helps set the table. He was a part of several. Arkansas players that won SEC awards this week. Co-freshman of the week at Snacks Johnson. That was co-defensive player of the week. Cam Little was co-special teams player of the week. And then, I know this is going to surprise you, Tommy, but Bo Limmer was also co-offensive lineman of the week. A lot you of get really fi- fired up about those co's. Would you just be rather left off and the other guy get it? I know I'd rather just Arkansas players get the award and the other guys to kick rocks, but we know how the you SEC views. You say I'm views. a homer. Yeah. We know how the SEC views Arkansas. At this point, Arkansas soccer in action. This is the most important thing they do down there all week, right? Yeah, they uh, player of the week awards. They yeah. figure out ways to, yeah, again, belittle the Arkansas football yeah. team. Uh, Arkansas soccer hosts Grambling State on Friday night for the first round of the NCAA tournament. Tickets are less than 10 bucks for adults and youth. This will be a, a packed crowd. You're trying to get to the Elite Eight once again. Be a third straight if Colby Hill's squad made to their two seed. So they're going to play a lot of home games. Did you say Friday night? Mm-hmm. So you'll have basketball on campus. You'll have soccer on campus. Fayetteville High has got a bye week. So they, uh, I know because that's right there together. Yeah. They share a lot of parking. So that'll help. But it'll be, uh, it'll be a busy night Friday night on campus with uh, two big events going on. That game's at 7 2, right? I can't think of the opponent, but yeah. I believe that the, game, basketball. Oh, uh, is it, uh, is it Old Dominion in this one? I think that's right. ODU, yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's a line. I'm recognizing the parking Gardner-Webb and Old Dominion are your next two. I may have them in reverse, reverse order or whatever. Um, one of the guys that you're excited to see this upcoming Friday night, like last night, is Trevin Brazil. And 
Man, he was on one yesterday. They're zoning defensively right now. Davenport in the key. Brazil with a one-hand dunk. He dunked that one over Jeremiah Gambrell. Gambrell 6'3", Brazil 6'10". That one was not fair. He just got named to the Jersey Mike's Player of the Year Naismith Trophy watch list. Guys, one of 50 players. Trevin's been really solid these first two games, or I guess first three games, including the the two E1s. This is a guy that is was a three-star coming out of high school and is now a projected first-round draft pick that is just his stock is flown up compared to where he was initially landing in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, it's Gardner Webb on Friday. It's Gardner Webb on Friday. But, but um, you know, um, who are you talking about? I was looking up that game. Trent Brazil. Oh, I mean, it, the, the way he's recovered from that knee, the way he, um, um, you know, has, has played so far. I hate that he got ejected there at the end of the game for coming on the floor where there may have been a fight, but you know I don't think there's going to be any long-term repercussions. Should be no suspension, nothing like that, because there was no fight. He didn't participate, but uh, you know you'd like to see him play in part of that last ten minutes, and uh, and he wasn't able to do that. Yep. So. Last thing, Arkansas women's basketball opens their season up tonight against Louisiana Monroe. It's at seven o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. I know Phil Elson is excited about that to get their season going for this year. That's going to do it for your Hog Update this morning, brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. All right, we're going to have Tom Murphy join us in hour number three, probably around 810 or so. we got our Lindsay and Associates Pro Hog Update coming up. But for now, we go to the McClarty Daniel Hotline, where Charlie is this morning. Charlie, welcome in from Camden. Tommy, I gotta give you credit, man. You have put together one heck of a team here uh, with Ty and Unit, and you got Phil Smart. This is the way it always works. Uh, you know, Charlie, we, sorry, man, uh, we can't hear you. We're in the bad part call, of Camden this call morning. Call back and sing my praises later. So, oh, you see, uh, see, I think you did that. I think there was someone was saying something nice about me, and you, you, you got some kind of button over there to. To garble the phone. Well, he's talking about the team that you put together. So, in turn, that's, that's talking about me and Big C. I, don't, I didn't other, hear your name. I did hear Big staff. C's name. I heard Phil's name. Something about Chuck. I didn't hear anything about you. Well, probably there's a lot of other guys. Maybe he was saving the best for last. Yeah, you could. there's a lot of other team members here at ESPN <laughs> Arkansas that you could list before me. But speaking of team, here's something you need to watch with this basketball team. So Caleb has 21 points. Caleb Battle has 21 off the bench last night. You are going to dominate in bench points this year. Dominate. Battle's going to be your sixth man. He might win sixth man of the year in the SEC at that point. Coach was talking about him discussing that uh, role in the offseason. I think Caleb is relishing it to this point. That is going to be a category where you consistently beat other teams, not just not just like by a little bit. I think you're handily going to beat some squads. And he talked about, you know, uh, battle after the game last night and how he's, you know, emerged. I think he's a guy that he could work his way into the starting lineup at some point, don't you think? He got 20 minutes could. last night. So, yeah, he's a guy that I, you know, if he at some point, depending on matchups, could be someone you you put in and count on. You got a lot of options this year. They're going to keep whittling down the starting rotation. They played, I think, all yeah, they played all 13 scholarship players plus Arbogast and mm-hmm. Blake last night. So, that's where your setup is. But I'm curious to see what that rotation Big C looks like at some point. It's nice to have all that depth. I mean, not all of them are quality guys. Like, they're going to get 
starting minutes and all that, but it's just nice to have that depth because it can come in handy, you know, well, in, in March Madness or wherever. It could just come in handy having meant, players like that. And I, th- I just think the competition for those minutes right now, and he said, you know, the rotations will change. We're not set and talk about guys being in there lifting weights on game days. There's eight of them in there while I was working out. I don't think that was by accident they were lifting weights. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua Sign Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift, selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Let's talk to him, shall we? The guy I was sitting next to in Gainesville, Florida, as Arkansas got a huge overtime victory for the first time ever in the Swamp. Tom, I don't think that's what a lot of people expected. What stood out in the Razorbacks' win this past Saturday? Hey, good morning, guys. Always a pleasure. Um, You know, I got that sense last week. I don't know if it was catching the spirit that Sam Pittman was exuding, uh, but you could just kind of feel that he, he... sensed it and he said the players were you know buying into all that of course you never know till you see the product and by gosh they uh you could just tell from the first drive they go down and score they had some nice plays called to uh ty washington and i think tesla had a big catch on that first drive and they throw the touchdown to green and no a lot of people didn't see it coming but i did i did pick it in our our section last week and i don't know i just felt it and um and think about this. We're this close to discussing another questionable officiating deal. And if the guy makes the field goal, uh, Trace Mack, if he makes the field goal, they lose. Ugh. And and we're here talking about, well, that should have been a fumble that Braxton caused. The guy was still moving and so on and so forth. But instead, we're talking about all the, the good things they did. Yeah, that would be, ugh. Tom, can you imagine our post-game show if that had occurred and he made that field goal and the just volatility from this fan base, especially what happened in 2009 against Florida, I'm glad we didn't have to go there because I think I would have been as uh, as angry as it gets. But a lot of positive things, again, like you're talking about takeaway. Here's what I want to know. So you lose your right tackle that game. Doesn't sound like Patrick Kudis is coming back anytime soon. Ty Washington with that dislocated shoulder looks like he's out. And, I mean, Andrew Armstrong was lifeless at that point. So I I can't see him coming back for Saturday. How does this team take the positive momentum, but then also couple that with all these important players that aren't going to be suiting up against the Tigers? Well, there's this intangible thing, and that's what Sam Pittman has referenced a few times in terms of losing spirit and enthusiasm and having players perform better than what they might even really be. Um, Kudis has a high ankle, so they're not sure. It, he doesn't look as good. But I think Andrew Armstrong is, is going to be able to play. Um, Sam called it a headache yesterday. So maybe he didn't even have to go into concussion protocols. Um, but the way he landed didn't look good. And, and by gosh, he almost caught that, that pass. 
And so I just feel like um, they've basically, what you'd say, banded together. Uh, the defense has really kind of been there. And, and what's weird in this game is they get that late uh, touchdown by K.J. I was heading to the field at this point when they converted the third down on his scramble, and then Satania caught a few passes, and then K.J. went for 25. They take the lead, okay, it's late in the game. Lo and behold, the defense gives up a very fast touchdown drive, and then, you know, Florida gets back in the field goal position. But the offense has their back, and they go down and kick a tying field goal that included penalties. So, I mean, they were overcoming. The things they were overcoming were, were pretty amazing in that game. Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. I know you asked Coach about this yesterday, and you did some research over the weekend on the um, on the substitution penalty at the end by Florida that did not result in a in a runoff. Coach was hoping the game was over there. What you know, walk us through that because I know uh, you know yesterday Coach said that it appeared that they administrated most of that right. Yeah, I don't want to get too far, you know, get too far in the weeds here, but. Had, let's just say Florida had run those dudes out, come back, and then they got them off the field, okay? And then they are about to run that spike play, but somebody jumps off sides. That would have been a runoff because then the clock would have been, mm-hmm. you know, in a running position. But because those guys ran on and then ran off, uh, the clock is um, is not, quote, you know, it's, it's not, not ready running for play. It's not ready for play it's, at that point. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. It's not ready for play. But Sam Pittman's argument was that the substitution rule should have been applied. But here's the thing. It was so chaotic, you can't just assume that every guy who came on the field with the special teams, I think there were 19 guys on the field, uh, came back off. And so if, sub- if Florida had substituted at all, then Arkansas would have should have been granted substitution rule protections. Um, however, I was given a cited... Uh, an example, when TCU ran its kicking unit onto the field against Baylor, because it's just a straight-out swap, you know, um, a hurried field goal situation, the substitution rule would not have applied, and Baylor would have had to run, run its guys out there uh, without extra time. And, and Sam Pittman was saying, you're supposed to get three seconds to see what personnel you want to change, and then they run out there. And so I'm, I'm not sure. It's a little fuzzy to me whether the substitution rule should have been applied on that play or not. Yeah, uh, Tom Murphy with us here, Arkansas Democrat Gazette on uh, the McClarty Daniel Hotline. When you look ahead to this week, can Arkansas sustain this running game? They found a little bit of it with Rocket. They'll have DeBinion back. Um, it, it, have they found the running game, or was this um, or was what we saw Saturday maybe um, just the return of Rocket? What, what do you think about <laughs> Saturday and Auburn, and can Arkansas get, say, 200-plus on the ground as a team? Well, I, I think the way they're feeling about themselves that they feel like they can. Um, I would prefer not to see, have to see KJ run as much as he did, but by gosh, it looked like he was liking it. And I was standing on the sideline, right down there, and you know, in on that side of the field in overtime, when he bowled over that safety and got eight extra yards after contact. And this is after a couple of arm arm tackle dudes, including the four hundred and twenty five pounder. Mm-hmm. He ran through his arm like a turnstile. And then he got hit, and, he, and and when he got up, you could see he was feeling it. And then Rocket really should have been dropped in the backfield on the next play, but he kept his balance and got 11 yards out of it and was fighting. And I'm like, they're about to win this game. And they won it on the next play. That plant pass to Broden was thrown where only he could catch it, and it was uh, it was unbelievable. 
And you could just see the emotion that poured out of those guys after all these weeks they've been through with close losses. Um, and, yeah, I do believe that they feel like they have their mojo now. The, the, the meshes in the backfield were a little faster. The, the linemen held their blocks a little bit more. K.J. ran through more arm tackles, and, or, and so did Rocket Sanders. Uh, I'd like to see A.J. and Dubinian back in the mix a little bit, too. But, yeah, they, they might have themselves a formula with Kenny Guyton that they can sustain till the end of the season. Finally getting the monkey off the back, getting that win, you know, re, you know, getting the ship pointed in the right direction. Is there more value in doing that on the road, in your opinion, when it seems like you're going against the world, then you got the, 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 the locker room together there, you get the plane ride home. Do you, can you make a case there's more value in winning a game like that on the road versus if you'd have done that at home? Yeah, I would say it's hard to assess, but I, there's great value in what they did. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there, people got the videos of Kenny Guyton and KJ chest bumping, and they're just like screaming. And everybody down there was so excited. Jamie Pittman got in on the fun. Um, yeah, I mean, you you did that in a place that the, your program has never won before. Uh, granted, it's not a vintage Florida team, but they fought and they had weapons and and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, uh, the thing is, you just wish now that they had, say, beaten BYU or mm-hmm. gotten one of those road wins at, at LSU or Ole Miss or somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. um, and then they would have a easier route to bowl eligibility. It's going to be tough. You know, Auburn's going to be tough on Saturday, and Missouri's going to be tough at the end of the year. But I do think they showed that when you got the right formula of, you know, the will and the spirit and all that, it can lead to good things. And, um, uh, yeah, I would say there was a, a ton of value and carryover effect in what they did on Saturday. Tom Murphy's with us on the McCarty Daniel Hotline, writer for Whole Hog Sports and the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Tom, speaking of guys that were feeling it, Dwight McLaughlin, and uh, he was on all over the field this past Saturday. I heard him say at one point that uh, he, at, even at LSU, he never wanted to lose to Florida. Looks like that that could potentially end up being fruition seeing the Gators aren't on the Arkansas schedule anytime soon. What did you think about him and kind of the comments leading up to the game and what Coach Pittman said about him following the game? Well, he he revealed one thing yesterday that had not been in the previous weeks because if you guys pay attention to all the press conferences, we've been asking him each week, what's going on with McLaughlin? Oh, he was a healthy scratch in, in the last game against Mississippi State. Okay, mm-hmm. what does that mean? You know, why? Well, it had to do with practicing harder. And you could tell that game meant something to him. The, the way he came up and tackled behind the line of scrimmage, like that's fighting through a block and then cutting a guy out from his, you know, at his ankles on a couple of those plays. And sometimes if the block holds and the guy gets momentum, those can go for touchdowns. But it was a two-yard loss, and he, he was great in coverage. Um, and what that does is it gives them the ability to move snacks to, to mm-hmm. the hog position. Hudson Clark can play more safety because you saw Florida exploited a little bit when he was in nickel when they ran the motions and got guys to the edges, and he's having to run through traffic. Hudson Clark is, and they got an early touchdown out of that. So it just helps the whole all-around deal. And you can see that, that McLaughlin's um, – his uh, top side, you know, his high end is is pretty high, and it, it, he was motivated on Saturday. And to that point, Tom, when you look on the other side, of it, mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned some moving snacks around a little bit. Uh, Jalen Braxton, I mean, we can't say enough about this kid. This is a true freshman that is making plays consistently throughout games. Uh, when's the last time you think an Arkansas corner 
has had this much impact as a, as a young player like Jalen? Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? I mean, I, I can't just off the top of my head say, well, it was this guy, you know, a Jarrell Norton or somebody back in the day or Ahmad Carroll. But you could just tell um, he, he's his father is a coach and he's into the game and he's a very well-spoken kid. I hope we actually talk to him today in our interviews. But he got the one legit touchdown. But that other one, I would argue that Trey um, Wilson was still moving when the ball got raked out and Al Walcott got on it. So just a heck of a performance. He did miss a tackle on that three-play touchdown yeah. drive. Uh, but, you know, otherwise I think he probably graded out pretty well, and he was just he was a dog out there. Yeah. Basketball team wins by 34 last night, scoring 93 points. Battle off the bench leads the way with 21. Uh, says what you expected? I mean, what was your thoughts on the game last night? Pretty much, yeah, what I expected. Uh, a lot of dunking, some good three-point shooting. Um, it looks like Musk really got deep into his bench because um, it's important when you got a team of, of this caliber to make everybody kind of assured in what their roles are going to be and not have any discontent on the bench. But uh, Musselman has shown that he's capable of doing that. So uh, they took care of business, and they dispatched Grambling with uh, pretty pretty good ease. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.